Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, the paladin of book promotion, Thomas Umstead Jr., and today we're going to talk about marketing psychology. And like I say with every marketing psychology episode, with great power comes great responsibility. So please use what you're about to learn for awesome and not for evil. So um, back in episode 223, we talked about how to create urgency. This was our first marketing psychology episode. And today we're going to talk about the second social trigger, scarcity, and its sister, ubiquity. These are social triggers that will give you a powerful edge when it comes to selling your book. But first, a paradox. Why are diamonds more valuable than water? This is Adam Smith's classic paradox of value. You can live a happy life without ever seeing a diamond. And without water, you will die in a week. So why are diamonds so much more expensive? Once you understand this paradox, you'll understand a marketing principle that most authors and even most publishing companies don't understand. Scarcity creates value. The more rare something is, the more valuable that thing is, even if that thing is mostly useless. So other than a few industrial uses, diamonds aren't that useful. They don't do anything. And yet they are incredibly valuable. Why? Because they're rare and because they're beautiful. Uh, they're a way of displaying wealth, but that's not the only reason why they're valuable. Scarcity is not the only thing that drives value. Desire drives value as well. The more people want something, the more valuable it is. Emeralds are rarer than diamonds and yet cost less. Why? Because of the custom of giving a diamond engagement ring. Most married women wear diamonds, and that makes the demand for diamonds, the price of diamonds, higher than the more scarce emeralds. Uh, this demand is the result of clever marketing by the diamond industry, getting their product inserted into a social custom. Uh, you know, if the custom was to give a precious stone engagement ring, emeralds would be incredibly more expensive. But because it's a diamond engagement ring and because, you know, the diamonds are forever advertising line, uh, women prefer diamonds and they expect their fiancés to give them diamonds. This interplay between scarcity and desire is what economists call supply and demand. And it's something you can influence as an author. Okay. A second paradox, and this one comes from Stuart Brandt. Here's the paradox. On the one hand, information wants to be expensive because it's so valuable. The right information in the right place just changes your life. On the other hand, information wants to be free because the cost of getting it out is getting lower and lower all the time. So you have these two fighting against each other. This is the knowledge paradox or the information paradox. Information wants to be free. Information wants to be expensive. Knowledge is like a candle. One candle can light another without being diminished itself. Giving someone an idea is not like giving someone cake. You can give your idea and have your idea too. When selling knowledge, when selling information, the best strategy, the way to make the most money is to make it both ubiquitous, where it's like water, and expensive, where it's like diamonds. This is why I offer both a free podcast and paid premium mastermind groups, because different people want different things. And this principle applies for fiction as well. In fact, later in this episode, we're going to tell you some strategies that really work better for novelists than they do for nonfiction, but it also works for nonfiction. 
Of the social triggers, scarcity is the rarest for authors to leverage. In terms of pricing, indie authors are in a race to the bottom. As Seth Godin says, the problem with a race to the bottom is that you might win. (laughs) But that said, you can make a lot of money selling something for almost nothing. You see, while diamonds are more valuable than water, we spend more money on water than we spend on diamonds. In fact, most Americans spend more money on bottled water than they do on diamonds. So even leaving the tap water aside, we if you combine them, we spend a lot of more money on water than we do on diamonds. So you would likely make more money starting a business that sold water than selling diamonds. Think about that for a little bit. I have uh, in the show notes for this episode, the publishing success paradox that kind of graphs this paradox where there's a lot of money in being scarce and there's a lot of money in being ubiquitous. And in the middle is the pit of despair of being common where you're neither scarce nor ubiquitous, which is interesting because this is often where a lot of authors are trying to get. (laughs) They're trying to get to the pit of despair. They're trying to make their book common. And yet that is exactly the worst place for this for them to be. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to be both scarce and ubiquitous. This is the latte strategy where you have the bitter espresso combined with the creamy milk. And we don't want any of that common water in the middle. We want the extremes to work together to make you a successful author. You're going to learn how your book, how the same book can be both like water and like diamonds. So let's start with making your book like water, how to make your book ubiquitous. And the first way to do this is to really make it like water, like falling from the heavens, free water from the sky, rain, give away free digital copies. There are several books that have made their way to the bestseller list by making the digital edition free. And so many people read the digital version that they talked and talked about it, that they sold enough copies of the paper version, which wasn't free, that they hit the bestseller list. Now, there are a lot of ways to do this. And uh, one good way to do it is to partner with a company like BookBub that will help get the word out about your free book. And another thing that helps is to make your book free for a limited time, which allows you to, to leverage both ubiquity and urgency, which we talked about in that earlier episode. Uh, but you can also make money with a permanently free strategy or what's called a permit perma-free strategy, where you know the first book of a series is always free. Or maybe sometimes the ebook is always free and you're only making money off the paper book. I have used these all of these strategies successfully. They don't work for everyone though, and the strategy doesn't work as well as it used to because uh, it worked amazingly well when everyone was buying their first Kindle. People would buy a brand new Kindle and had a room for a thousand books, and they had one or two books, and so they'd very quickly go and get a bunch of free books to fill up their Kindle. Now, most Kindle owners own a full Kindle, (laughs) or they have a long reading list, and they are less swayed by free books than they used to be. But there's a big difference between being less effective and being no longer effective, and the strategy does still work, and it really amplifies word of mouth. People are talking about your book. If it's controversial or remarkable in some way, uh, it's a lot easier when they recommend a book to a friend for that friend to start reading the free version, which then keeps the word of mouth spreading and spreading and spreading. Uh, We talk more about the strategy in episode 35, the upside and downside of free books. And I also talk about how I use the perma-free strategy successfully in episode 220, the Enclave Files, which is all about me being the marketing director for a publishing company. The second way to make your book ubiquitous is to go wide in all the formats. And there are a lot of ways to buy water. Every grocery store sells water. Every gas station sells water. You can even get water free in most offices. 
Uh, whereas there's only a handful of places that buy diamonds. So depending on what strategy you're using or how you're using these strategies together, it's really important if you want to be ubiquitous to be ubiquitous. Now, while some readers are agnostic as to the format that they read, most readers have a strong preference. If you want me to read your book, I'm only going to listen to it. Uh, I am an audiobooks exclusive reader. I read a lot of audiobooks between 50 and 100 a year. And I read zero ebooks and zero paper books. It's just not a part of my rhythm. Other people prefer paper, while others prefer ebooks. They have their house is so small that they don't have room for lots of paper books. And so they're only going to get your book if it's in an ebook format. So what do you do? Make sure your book is in all the formats. This is so important, especially audio. A lot of authors skip the audio format and it really uh, diminishes their ability to be ubiquitous, their ability to be like water where people can get the book however and wherever they want. Uh, speaking of getting the book wherever they want, another part of this strategy is to go wide. So we talk from time to time about whether or not to go wide or to go Amazon exclusive if you're independently published. Going Amazon exclusive means you get a higher margin, but going wide means you're more ubiquitous. You're in more of the stores, and it's easier for people to buy your book in their store of choice. If somebody is a big fan of iBooks and you're not in iBooks, you're not going to be able to sell to that person. Uh, the third way to be ubiquitous, and perhaps the most popular way amongst traditionally published authors, is to go on a media tour. Uh, the more that people talk about your book, the more ubiquitous it will be. And a great way to get people talking about your book is to get the media talking about your book first. If you can get the buzz about your book big enough, people will buy a copy just to see what all the fuss is about. Uh, this is why 90% of USA Today bestselling authors have a podcast presence. Let me say that again. 90% of USA Today bestselling authors, and this is across fiction, nonfiction, and children's books, have a podcast preference. They, presence. They either host a podcast or they guest on other people's podcasts, or they do both. This is such an important strategy. And it's one we've talked a lot about on this show. Uh, so instead of talking about it here, I'll just um, mention a few episodes you can listen to. So there's episode 209, How to Get Booked for a Guest Podcast Interview. Uh, overview, it's an overview of the course that we made. We have episode 175, How You Can Create Massive PR for Yourself, Even If You're a Complete Novice. Episode 157, How to Create an Online Press Kit. And then episode 208, How to Run a Podcast Tour with Mary DeMuth. Uh, or with or we had a special guest, Mary DeMuth. And uh, I, I should mention also that I also created a course on this, How to Get Booked as a Podcast Guest. And of all of our courses, this is the one that gives the most immediate results. It's not uncommon for authors who go through that course to start pitching and getting booked on podcasts within a week of finishing the course. It's that powerful. And it's that effective. So going on a media tour is a great way to be ubiquitous. Another way to be ubiquitous is to create a short promo version of your book. And there's a company, Minibook, and I'll link to them in the show notes, that makes these small versions of your book. They're only two or three inches high and a few inches wide. And, you know, it's, a, it's for a much shorter version of the book that you can pass out very cheaply at conferences uh, to influencers. I know authors who will do this. They'll go to a conference where their publishing company will pay to get a, a chapter or two printed in a small format like this, and they'll give it to all of the leaders at the conference, all the CEOs at the conference, with the hopes of those conferences get that or those leaders get the short version they read it and they're intrigued they go on to buy the full version or better yet they buy the full version for everyone in their company or everyone 
at their church. In fact, uh, speaking of churches, the churches in my town are doing this strategy with a book by John Burke, a local pastor and a former client of ours, actually. And the churches are buying bulk copies of a shortened version of his book that they're passing out as a part of a combined evangelism push which is you know, great for church growth and it's great for evangelism, but as a marketer of books, I'm like, this is also really good for sales of John Burke's book because it's becoming ubiquitous. It's getting to the point where everyone is going to be talking about it. Uh, so the, this is a strategy. It's, it's a more expensive way of being ubiquitous, but it can be very effective, uh, especially for nonfiction. I feel like this is a good strategy for nonfiction. It's harder to give away a short version of your novel, although you could experiment with it. I could see if you give away the, you know, the, First three chapters in a paper book in a, to, at a library convention or you know, other people who are influential and influencing, influencing uh, reading decisions uh, for fiction. And, you know, you end that third chapter on a cliffhanger. Uh, this could be a good strategy for fiction as well. Now, the fifth way to be ubiquitous is to advertise. <laughs> the more someone sees your book, the more likely they are to buy it. And expensive advertising works, or at least it can work for the right book. Uh, good advertising helps a bad book fail faster. And if you spent less than $1,000 on your cover, I would caution you against advertising because a lot of authors, the advertising doesn't work for them because their cover isn't good enough. Uh, you really have to have an excellent cover to make advertising uh, work for you. Uh, again, we have a lot of episodes on advertising, so I'm not going to stress it too much here. I'm just going to list those episodes. And again, we have links to all these episodes in the show notes. Uh, but very quickly, episode 143 is Book Marketing 101, Author Advertising. This is an overview of advertising, help you understand the big picture. Really start here. This is a really good episode on advertising fundamentals, and it applies to all platforms, whether it's Facebook, Amazon, billboards, everything. And this covers it all. Episode 193, How to Create Powerful Ads for Authors Who Hate Math with Chris Fox. Episode 192, Marketing 101, 10 Advertising Terms You Need to Know. Episode 158, Amazon Book Ads, Everything You Need to Know with Brian Burney. And episode 190, How to Use BookBub Ads to Sell More Books with David Gogren. So I mean, we have even more episodes than that, but those are just the ones I'm, I'm recommending here. So if you're wanting to get into advertising, we have a lot of episodes to help you do that. And there are a lot more ways to create ubiquity than than what I've talked about. This is just to kind of give you an idea of how to be ubiquitous, how to make it feel like your book is everywhere, and even how to get your book everywhere. And if you're wanting to get to bestseller status and really make money uh, from selling lots of copies of your book, this is the strategy to use. And if you have other ideas of how to make your book ubiquitous, I do encourage you to post in uh, the Novel Marketing Facebook group your ideas and share them with everyone else. You can also see the ideas that other people share there as well. All right, now let's talk about how to create scarcity for your book. We've talked about how to make your book like water. Now let's turn your book into diamonds. So the first way to make your book scarce is the worst way to make your book scarce, and it is Amazon selling out. Threatening this can be helpful. It motivates people to act now and helps you leverage urgency. Uh, but when it actually happens, you lose out on readers. People hate ordering back-ordered books. In fact, I've, I've had this challenge with authors that I've helped with a big book launch and Amazon sold out. I had one author uh, that I did a big book launch with, and he sold out on Amazon at eight in the morning of launch day, which was, you know, we did great with the launch and had a lot of anticipation. But then the book was uh, shown to be out of stock on Amazon for a long time after that. And it was very frustrating because there's no good way of like pushing the book into Amazon. 
Now, that said, if you're indie published, this won't happen because your book's on print on demand. So there's no inventory to be out of. And if you're with one of the big five publishers, this also won't happen because they have print on demand backup systems that kick in if the book is out of stock. So Amazon, let's say they have 500 copies of your book in their warehouses and they sell the 500th copy. Instead of showing your book out of stock, they'll start printing on demand books to fill in the gap before they get the next shipment of books. Uh, so where this is a risk is if you're with a small or medium-sized house. And, and so I encourage you, if, if you're traditionally published, have your agent ask the publisher if they have a POD backup system set up with Amazon or Ingram. Uh, back when I was an agent, for the short time I was an agent, I actually had this happen with one of the clients that I inherited. Uh, she was with a medium-sized publishing house, and her book sold out. You know, you know, I coached her with the book launch, and on I think it was day or two or three, it sold out on Amazon. It said it wouldn't be back in stock for 30 days, which is their catch holder. Uh, time for when they don't know when it will be back in stock. So I got on the phone with the CEO of her publishing company or the COO of her publishing company, and I told him about this backup system, and he didn't even know about it. <laughs> this is um, really interesting. With publishing houses, some are much more savvy than others. And I will say, to their credit, they set this up, not just with her book, but with the other books. But a lot of publishing companies don't even know this is an option. So make sure you find out if your uh, publisher has it set up with Amazon or with Ingram to have a print-on-demand backup system. Because it really does torpedo a launch. You don't want to be scarce in this way. Uh, the next way to be scarce is the go-to. So if going on a media tour is the go-to way to being ubiquitous, selling signed copies is the go-to way of being scarce. And you've probably noticed this. Uh, if you've done a book signing or if you've ever been into book signing, no one ever haggles with the author over the price of the book. This is the one time people pay full price for the book or even more. Sometimes your book is normally $18 and you're selling it for $20 at the table just to make doing change easy. And I've had this happen actually when after I've given a speech and I'm signing books in the back of the room, people will pay more than the list price and I'll offer to give them change and they won't accept it. <laughs> uh, that never happens in any other context, right? A lot of people feel like the 20% off at Barnes & Noble on best-selling books isn't enough and so they still buy their books at an even deeper discount on Amazon. And yet, when it is signed by the author, that doesn't happen because that signature, that autograph, that personalization on the page makes the book more like diamonds and less like water. Now, the key to book signings is that you have to go and do your book signing somewhere where readers already know who you are and like you. <laughs> so after you give a speech, it's a really good time to do a book signing because people have just spent an hour or 30 minutes listening to you. Book signings are a terrible way to meet strangers. Let me say this again because this really needs to be uh, emphasized. Book signings are not a way to meet strangers. If you're going to a bookstore full of people you don't know and full of people who don't know you and you're expecting to sell books, you will fail. This is not how book signings work. Book signings are a way to connect with pre-existing fans. And authors who don't understand this get so discouraged because they go to a bookstore and they sit at an empty table for an hour or two hours or four hours and they sell one copy of their book or two copies of their book. And then they tell themselves, I must not be a popular author because no one came to buy my book. And it's like, no, those people at that bookstore at that time just didn't know who you are, which is fine. Right? There's thousands of books at a bookstore. 
People only know about, you know, maybe 1% of the authors at any given time. They're not going to know about you. That's not how you use a book signing. So we have a lot more to say about book signings in another episode, episode 48, the right way and the wrong way to sign books. Uh, But these are a really good way of creating scarcity, making your book feel and seem more valuable. Now, you can also sell signed copies on your website, but I recommend only doing this at a super premium price, $50 or more. And the reason is, is that you don't want to do this too much. If you're selling signed copies on your website for 20 bucks or 25 bucks, you'll find yourself constantly going to the post office. And that trip to the post office is not worth the $25. You need to price the signed copies of your book at such a way where it's worth it to take a trip to the post office because you really should not be spending your time in line at the post office. You should be spending your time writing your next book instead. All right, so now we're going to get into some of the alchemy, the like magical ways of creating scarcity and really putting your book up the value spectrum. The third way to create scarcity and make your book more valuable is to create a hardback first edition. Even if you plan to do a paperback later, make a hardback first edition of your book and print a specific number of books in hardback. This is what makes it scarce, is that there's only 500 copies of this first edition. Um, In fact, that's how many copies there were of the Harry Potter first edition. If I remember correctly, there was 500 copies of the hardback Harry Potter first edition, and they are selling an auction for $30,000 plus. (laughs) That's the same cost as a brand new Tesla. People love first edition hardback books, and they cherish them. They collect them. And if you tell people that you've got a first edition hardback, it will make your book more valuable, not just creating scarcity, but connecting it with urgency which we talked about uh, back in episode 223. And uh, scarcity and urgency, when you can connect them, this is what creates frenzies or what can create a frenzy. And that's what you want for your book. So if you are independently publishing and you're planning to make your book print on demand, consider doing a limited run hardback to kick things off and selling those hardbacks at a premium because they're more like diamonds, less like water. And people can still buy the ebook inexpensively. They can still get the audiobook inexpensively. You can be both ubiquitous and scarce, but um, don't give up this opportunity, right? If you had to print on demand, your first edition is unlimited and it never becomes valuable or rare or collectible. And you're just leaving that money on the table and you're leaving that motivation for readers on the table as well. Uh, Now, maybe your book is already out. You're like, what can I do? I want to do something like a first edition, but I've missed my chance. Well, don't worry. That's where strategy number four comes in. And that is to create a a limited edition, signed and numbered edition. Now, this is something that you can do even if you miss the chance, like I said before. And this uh, is a strategy borrowed from the art world. So in the art world, uh, you have artists that will sell a piece of art at varying levels of scarcity. So you have the original painting, which is, you know, there's just the one painting. It's incredibly scarce. It's incredibly expensive. Then you have artist embellished embellished gicles, uh, which is a like a print. It's a very fancy print of the uh, painting, but the artist himself or herself has added paint to that um, painting themselves. So it's unique, which is, again, one, it's... Uh, still scarce, but it's less scarce than the original piece. Then you have kind of the bread and butter for a lot of artists, the signed and numbered lithograph. 
This is a printing of the book that the artist has signed and nothing else. So they've signed it and they've numbered it. And they number it not just with a number, but also a max number. So I have a painting that is uh, number three of 50. Uh, that's a signed lithograph. And when we purchased it, I think it cost around $500 about a decade ago. Uh, And it's probably worth around $1,500 now. And it will be worth more when the artist dies. Why? Because of that signature. It's rare. It's one of only 50 prints of this painting that has been signed by the artist. You can do this too. Uh, The key is to number the copies of the book. So don't just sign it. You're going to sign, you're going to get all these books printed all at once, the special hardback uh, version of your book, and then you're going to sign all all the copies. So if you have 100 copies, you sign all 100 copies, and it's one of 100, two of 100. It's a little bit of work. It's maybe an hour's worth of work to sign 100 copies, depending on how fast you sign them. But then at the end, you have to vow (laughs) never to print more copies of this limited edition and sign and number them in this way. This is this is what makes it valuable, is that vow that you make. And if you break this one time, you don't only undermine it for yourself, you undermine it for all other authors using this strategy. And I've been advocating this strategy for a while in consulting uh, with authors, and I finally found an author who's doing it. Um, now, I wish I could say that this author got the idea from me, but she didn't, I don't think. She got the idea from her artist that she did the special edition with. So it's not the marvelous Naomi Novik, who I'm a big fan of. She writes incredible uh, fantasy books and has some of the best dragon books on the market. And, her, and she did a signed and numbered limited edition of her books, Spinning Silver and Uprooted. She's selling these books for $100 each, and she has 750 copies of each book. So it's copy one of 750, two of 750, and so on. So that's $75,000 per book. (laughs) That's $150,000 total for this strategy. That is the power of making your book like diamonds. It's a novel, and I really like the strategy. I don't think everyone can do it with 750 copies. I think for a lot of authors, if you're just getting started, 100 copies is probably safer. But 100 copies at $100 each is still $10,000. That's not bad money uh, for signing your name uh, for a few minutes to a book. And it also creates a really precious thing that you can give as gifts, right? You give somebody um, a signed and numbered copy of your book. It's a $100 value gift, right? This very um, valuable gift. And it's a good way of saying thank you to your editor or to your agent or whatever. And I will say my one request, if you use this idea and you make $100,000, give me, for giving you this idea, Give me book 500 of 500 or give me book 100 of 100. Send it to me. I, I would love uh, to put it on my shelf and feature it. Uh, and my mailing address is, of course, on authormedia.com. And I do want to say thank you to the listeners who have sent me books because I do get books from time to time from listeners. I do feature them on the shelf uh, behind me. So I do enjoy getting listener books. All right. Uh, strategy number five is to create a limited edition cover. Uh, you can combine this with uh, strategy four. So the limited edition of your book that's signed and numbered also has a limited edition cover. Uh, you, and you can also combine it with strategy three of the, your first edition has a unique cover. But you can also do this on its own where you're doing a limited edition cover and you're only making you know 1,000 copies of this cover or 10,000 copies of this cover and then the cover will be retired. Or maybe you have two covers of your book 
and you really like both of them, and they both test well in your Facebook split tests, take one of those covers and have it be for the limited edition first edition, where it's got that unique cover. This is what happened with the Harry Potter. The Harry Potter book has a limited edition um, cover. The cover on that 500 print is not the same as the covers that you would get on a Harry Potter book today. All right, so now it's time to talk about strategy six for making your book more like diamonds, and that is to make your book bonuses scarce. Uh, so we talked a lot in episode 223 about urgency and about how one way to create urgency for your book is to create bonuses that go along with your book that people have to act now in order to get. And this combines with scarcity really well. Right? There are only 100 tickets to the launch party. Well, that creates urgency because you want to buy a ticket before they're all gone, but it also creates scarcity because there's only 100 tickets or only 50 people can come to the regional meetup. I know authors will go on tour and they'll host a meetup in a town and they'll email uh, through their email list everyone who lives in that area, invite them to that event. And it's a really powerful way of doing a book signing and, and connecting with your readers. You'll have a really rewarding and satisfying book signing if you bring your own people to the book signing. And people often buy your book a second time uh, to get it signed especially if you're peddling a limited edition hardback that they can only get at uh, the live event or something like that. There's a lot of ways that these strategies can connect with each other, which again, go to the Facebook group to see how authors are combining these strategies. Uh, another way to make some uh, the bonuses scarce is, let's say you're crowdfunding your book. We talked a lot about you know raising funds for your book on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Well, you can have reward levels that are limited where only 100 people get this backer reward. It's a great way of making it's scarce. Uh, or bonuses that are only available for the first, you know, certain number of buyers. So the first 500 buyers get this uh, free bonus or this free coupon to a, another author's uh, resource, right? We talked in the urgency episode about Michael Hyatt and how he partnered with lots of other authors to create this wonderful bonus package worth several hundred dollars. And it was only available to people who ordered in the first uh, ordered his book, I think, in the first two weeks. Uh, so that, that was a big urgency, but it was also some scarcity in the sense that you couldn't order after those two weeks. It would have been even more scarce. Uh, he would have leveraged this social trigger in an even more powerful way if he said only the first you know thousand people or something, and there was like a clock ticking down. That's even more for scarcity, but a little bit less motivating for urgency. So you can decide which strategy works best for you. Uh, another way to create scarcity is, you know, webinars and that can only be, there's a limited number of attendees for a special webinar that you do for readers or uh, the first 100 people buy access to your course. There's lots of ways. If you're nonfiction, uh, the bonuses are, there's a lot of ideas you can do for bonuses. So while uh, the limited edition cover, for instance, may be more appealing for a fiction uh, writer, right? There's not a lot of people who are wanting a first edition nonfiction book. Um, there's a lot of cool bonuses you can do uh, with a nonfiction book that you can't as easily do with fiction. So some of these strategies will work better for some authors and some will work with other authors. And again, share your results on the Novel Marketing Facebook group. Now, if you're finding these talks about marketing psychology helpful, we are just scratching the surface. I have a course on persuasion that's all about how to be more persuasive, how to connect with people psychologically, how to connect and move people in a way where they stay moved, how to make your ideas sticky. Uh, this is my oldest and most enduring talk that I give. <laughs> and uh, right now, uh, for the month of February 2020, patrons get this course for free. 
afterward, the patrons can get this course for 50% off. So if you're listening to this episode in the future, don't despair. You can still get the course for 50% off. But if you act now, you can get the course for free. And patronage levels start at just $3 a month. And patrons get a special bonus episode of this podcast. There's a fifth episode each month that only goes out to patrons. They also get a lot of other bonuses, including occasionally getting your podcast featured or getting your book featured on the podcast. If you get a high enough patronage level, you get featured on the podcast. Speaking of which, our featured patron this week is Eloise White, uh, the author of Soul Inspirations, which is a website where you'll gain new inspiration with Jesus as you trust him to be your confident healer and life-giving friend. So thank you to Eloise White for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. And if you can't afford to become a patron, don't worry, you can still help the show. Uh, one really great way to help the show is to share this episode in a Facebook group of authors that you think would benefit from it. So if, are you in a Facebook group of authors who you think would benefit learning about uh, scarcity and ubiquity and how to use those together, how to make your book like water and like diamonds Share this episode. I really, really appreciate it. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode, give us a call. We have a special listener helpline. You just call us at 512-827-8377 and leave a voicemail with your question. You just might hear an answer in a future episode. And of course, you can also leave a recording at authormedia.com slash contact. You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.